How's it going, everyone? Welcome to Fear Frequency, a weekly horror podcast. This is our 98th episode, and I'm your host, Jimmy Champagne. As always, I'm joined by my co-host and best friend, George Frizzard. How's it going? Pretty good, man. What's up with you? Nothing. I, last week was really busy at the Austin Evans Video Factory. They sent me like <laughs> nine days of footage, and I got through it in a week, but that took up all my time. And then now there's a heat wave, but that did not stop me from getting the PSL today. Did you get one? I didn't get one. I did stop at my local Kroger that has a Starbucks in it, but I didn't stop for a PSL. Come on, George. Got to keep got a brand to keep up. <laughs> Anyways, we got an awesome show this week. We got some news on Shudder's 61 Days of Halloween, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is funny, the Thing reboot, and the Batman trailer. And in the movie section, we're talking about Spree. But before we get to that, we have a very special guest joining us this week, Blake, a.k.a. Loudmouth Threads. How's it going? It's going good. Thanks for having me, guys. This has been a long time coming. I feel like we've been waiting to have a good show before we reached out to you because you have so many <laughs> high-profile brands on the internet. I'm flattered. <laughs> so you guys probably know Blake if you're a viewer of my channel because we worked together last year on um, a t-shirt that's kind of like a bunch of Halloween 4 stuff that's subtly advertising my YouTube channel, which it came out great. You did a great job on that art. I, st- I wear that shirt all the time. Yeah, I like that design a lot too. It's one of my favorites. And then I post uh, post your art in my story all the time because it's so fucking good. <laughs> Thank you. You got like so many accounts on Instagram. I'm trying to keep up with them both. <laughs> yeah, too many. Let's break down all the things you have going on, right? So your Loudmouth Threads is your t-shirt slash long sleeve shirt brand right yes yes that is my main my main thing and then you have insane letterbox yeah. <laughs> which is your twitter that blew up which is my side thing that's gotten wildly out of control is that curated like do people send you insane reviews for that or are you just on uh letterbox constantly finding those insane reviews now it's pretty much all submissions because I just don't have time to go through Letterbox like I used to. But I started out just like me and my friends finding stuff on there. Yeah, because there are a decent amount of crazy ones. It seems like every every movie I look up the reviews for, there's at least one that's just like, I don't even know what the hell is going on in this. Oh, yeah. If you just like look at the, all of the half-star reviews <laughs> for pretty much any movie, you're bound to find some entertainment. I finally reviewed Black Christmas yesterday, just like after months of stewing on it. And... I made a joke that I thought was really funny where I said if it uh, if it was a bingo sheet of everything you could fuck up in a slasher movie, it would fill the board. <laughs> but then I was pissed in bed for like three hours because that, that can't happen. Like you would get a bingo <laughs> before the whole board was filled. But I still hate the movie and I gave it a half star. That movie sucks. So what's your day to day like? Do you, you just like wake up and draw and then go to the T-shirt site or what? Like what? What? You work from home, I'm assuming. Well, now everyone does, but before pandemic. I work from home, and uh, yeah, I pretty much work on artwork, print t-shirts. Now I'm learning how to tattoo, so that takes up a lot of my time doing um, like an apprenticeship at a tattoo shop. But yeah, I just that's like my main thing now. It's my only source of income is t-shirts. So how long did it take to get to the point where that could be your full-time job? Uh, pretty recently, probably within the last year, because it's like just been slowly growing over the years i've been doing it and uh it's finally reaching a point where i'm just like super busy all the time so did you like grow up knowing you wanted to just do your own shit be an entrepreneur did it just kind of happen one day where you woke up and you're like 
I'm going to be a tattoo apprentice and own a t-shirt brand <laughs> and have a Twitter where I make fun of letterbox reviews. It definitely is not something I ever expected to do. I, I didn't even really start drawing or doing artwork at all until I had already started Loudmouth Threads. And like I started out kind of just making like stupid designs in Photoshop. And from there, I was like, man, I really wish I could have like cool illustrations on my like shirts and stuff so i was like i'm just gonna learn how to do it so like what are some of the challenges there like do you print the stuff yourself or do you have to like outsource that or what like how do you do any of this stuff that's so crazy to me i print i print everything myself it's all screen printed so it's just me for now and uh yeah i I just i try to do as much as i possibly can by myself because i just like being in control of everything pretty much (laughs) So yeah, as anything that I can do, I, I do. That's awesome. This is like you're you're one of the first people we've had on where it's like I don't know the ins and outs of what you're doing already because <laughs> we had Luke on last week and he runs Modern Horrors then that podcast, which is very similar to what we're doing in my YouTube channel. And we've had on, you know, like a couple horror writers and directors and stuff, and I've I've like made some movies before, so I kinda know what's going on there. But like your world is completely foreign to me and it's like so interesting (laughs) well thanks i'm happy to talk about it you're one of the only (laughs) brands i've seen so far smart enough to like start collabing with youtubers is that i don't understand why more people don't do that because you did the shirt with me and then you had the one with uh spooky astronauts and she's like really cool so i was glad to see that happen because she was i met her when she came to la last year and she gave me a pin for her channel and then she said she liked the shirt. And I just told her, I was like, cold call Blake. Reach out to Blake. He's like the nicest guy. So I'm glad that ended up happening. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it surprises me too because I don't understand why you wouldn't, like of all the people to work with, why wouldn't you want to work with YouTubers who work in like such a visual medium? So to do like a t-shirt, it just kind of makes sense to me. Yeah. And and a, most, I mean, for anybody that I've ever like collabed with pretty much, it's people who... I was already like a fan of and so it just kind of made sense it just felt natural yeah i think it's really cool that you're able to just do whatever you want so like if you just refresh your page like you might see you know a hereditary line or then the next day you'll have like a quarter zip with friday the 13th on it or then like you did the tom nook design that i thought was so cool and like original i feel like that's a benefit that you have just because you're doing everything yourself and it's just kind of like whatever you're drawing that day yeah it's i mean it's a benefit and it can be a downside at the same time because if i'm just feeling really uninspired or like just not in the mood then nothing gets done you know yeah no i've totally been there i'm like in and out of that state right now with um halloween kills because it's like i don't want to make a video just to make a video so i usually wait until there's like a few things to talk about before I make one. But then now, because it got delayed a year, there's nothing. Like they're just holding on uh, everything with it. So that's kind of annoying. But yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. So the tattoo apprenticeship, right? When did that start? Was that like a goal you set? Or were you just like, again, I just want to be a tattoo artist now? Uh, I mean, it's something that's always kind of been in the back of my mind. And, and like a couple of months before quarantine started I was getting tattooed I have all my tattoos from the same guy and he kind of like floated the idea of me apprenticing under him and so I was like okay cool and uh, I started in July yeah so it's been a little over a month now how long is that process is it just like when you're what do you call the guy above you I call him my mentor it it 
it varies state to state, like how much you need for New Jersey, where I am, it's 2000 hours. So it's like around two years. Yeah, that, that adds up. So are you going to just, gonna, are you going to exclusively do like Sopranos tattoos? Or... <laughs> I hope so. I have your print and it's just like, I have it in my closet because I haven't found a spot to put it yet, but I have it propped up. So whenever, whenever I open my closet, I've just got, you know, the, the Soprano gang staring back at me. And it's just such a great way to start my day off. It's so like cliche to say because I live in New Jersey, but like watching that show, there's like scenes that they filmed around the corner from where my apartment is right now. Well, the movie we're talking about a little later on is uh, filmed all around where I live, which is uh, not that interesting. <laughs> so first up on the news here, we have Shudder and there's 61 days of Halloween. I, I've just picked out a few of the things that I thought were interesting. So if you want to know everything that's going to happen during this, go to like Bloody Disgusting or Shudder's Twitter. It's, it's all over there. The first thing is September 1st, they're dropping Color Out of Space. Now, I think you reviewed that on the show, right, George? Are you, I think if you saw it. Yeah, I definitely saw it. Uh, and it's like limited art house release. And I, I'm pretty sure I gave gave some review of it around that time. Yeah, I, I caught it during like the very, very brief theatrical run they did. <laughs> I think it was last year. And uh, I'm glad, I'm I'm happy to learn that it's coming to Shutter because I was literally thinking about buying it like yesterday. So now I'll wait. <laughs> yeah, stuff tends to stay on there for like years at a time for some reason. I don't know why, it's just how it's always been. And then September 24th, we have Veronica which is Glenn Danzig's movie that I guess is like an adaptation of his uh, graphic novel. And I heard it's like fucking insane. I didn't see this one either when it was in theaters, but I know a lot of people around me did. But I've heard only bad things, which really makes me <laughs> want to watch it. George, have you heard of this? No, I haven't even heard of this one. Glenn Danzig just like word vomited onto a page and then turned it into a movie and got no studio pushback on anything whatsoever so it's like one of the least coherent things ever made it's like full of like gratuitous nudity and gore and it, it apparently has like no plot i'm really excited to check that out seems like a fun time chris like chris suckman did a hilariosity on it that i thought was pretty good and then october 1st george this is that movie we talked about last week scare me uh, I said I thought it was coming out around the first week of October, so I just wanted to give an update. That's October 1st. I heard this is really good. And then also on October 1st, you get Revenge of the Gulag. So this is the third Gulag, Gulag they're doing, and I like them. The first one was the best because it was just like a pumpkin on a porch, but like they've gotten more complex since then, and they're fun to just throw on, I guess, when you're working but they're only like an hour long so i hope this one is longer do you ever check these out yeah uh i actually watched the like you're saying the first school log i had it on for a decent amount of time i think it's just good like ambiance but they're like you're saying there are like you can find a longer like halloween ambiance sound on youtube that's like better if you're trying to work with it in the background i might screen record the first one and then just loop it six times and then export it yeah, <laughs> and just like work. pass around the link i don't really care that that's illegal <laughs> and i know last year larry fastenden directed it <laughs> which is crazy that's the that we bring him up a lot like do you know who larry fastenden is no i don't okay so you've definitely seen him before he's the guy who gets killed at the beginning of your next he's in um we are still here he he's in vhs i know he's he's got like this like very recognizable look and he produces a ton of the like really good indie 
horror movies and acts in them too um but he directed the gulag last year and apparently this one is like a follow-up to that and I, i like that they built this like universe of ambient videos you put on in the background yeah, I'm kind of surprised they're not just recycling the first one, but it, I mean, it, it's cool, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I like the the first one the best. And then finally, George, October 23rd, we have Joe Bob's Untitled Halloween Special. I don't really understand why it's untitled because we're in August, but either way, I'm just glad they're doing it because I was positive, as I've said, that uh, the scary sleepover would be the last episode for the year especially since joe bob got covid but apparently they're filming this one like they filmed it post joe bob having covid but he looks nice and healthy in the picture i included in the doc so like fingers crossed that this turns out good i'm really excited for it yeah definitely i mean obviously we're huge fans of the joe bob specials around here so i'm just interesting it'll be interesting to see basically how he tops last year's halloween hoot nanny because it was halloween four and five so that was a pretty strong triple feature. So I don't know how you how you get better than that. It's going to be Halloween 3, dude. They're finally going to show it. <laughs> I hope so. I the, really hope the so. The meme will be a cheat. Yeah, I love it. It, it was like a huge uh, like source of sanity during quarantine was having that to watch on Fridays. I didn't know you had a Discord. I wish I did because you could have joined in on ours. We, we always stream it over Discord every time it's on, like me, George, and a couple of our other friends. It's super fun to watch it in that setting. And I really liked the last one because it was like a crossover with Adam Green's scary sleepover show, which is also really good. If you haven't checked it out out there, um, there's like a ton of different stuff. Like I mentioned, it's coming to bloody disgusting. And now we, now I kind of get George, why they were, um, you know, front loading all of the foreign language, like random horror stuff early in the summer. And now they're building up to Halloween with all their releases because it's been like banger after banger every week, which I think is good for them. Yeah, they definitely had uh, some pretty strong like releases in the last couple months. I mean, nothing, I would say Slashman's probably like their standout so far this year. Well, and Host, obviously, but I mean, two two definitely pretty big ones already. Yeah, I, I wonder if they... I'm sure they knew, actually. I was going to say, I wonder if they knew Host was going to be as big as it is. But like, I'm sure they knew that just because of the timing when it was coming out. And I think it's smart that they're adding more stuff after that like if that was their lone release of the summer that wouldn't really do anything but i feel like a lot of people just subscribe to shutter and now they're getting a new thing to watch every week and then they can go into the backlog of stuff they missed so i feel like this is going to be a big year for shutter even though we're in the middle of quarantine and i like as bad as the quarantine is and like the covid and all this shit the indie movies we're always talking about on here are getting their time in the sun for once which i really like yeah, that is definitely cool that the focus has shifted more so to these smaller releases since they were going to come out, you know, originally on VOD anyway, never really planning for a big theatrical release. So people are kind of forced to watch these smaller movies that they never would have checked out before. So it's it's interesting to see these ones kind of getting their their time to shine. Yeah, so Blake, you've been into Lovecraft stuff lately. I've been noticing, like, drawing that. Did you check out The Beach House? Yeah, I did. I liked it. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, like when everything starts breaking down at about the halfway point, I thought that was sick. It was so cool. So, like, when you draw Lovecraft stuff, like, what what do you what do you like draw from usually? Like the books, like the source material, or stuff like Lovecraft Country, or what? Yeah, basically the source material. I've always been a huge Lovecraft fan. I've read like almost everything he's ever written. So, I listen to like Lovecraft podcasts and stuff, and I'll I'll just 
throw that on and like draw something. What are some Lovecraft podcasts? I didn't even know those a thing. There's one that I like a lot that's called it's just called the HP Lovecraft uh literary podcast and they basically just go through his entire like publishing history and like break down each of his stories. Speaking of the like Lovecraft podcast, it's not really like discussion of Lovecraft, but there is a YouTube channel called uh Horror Babble that just like reads his stories like in completion with like ambient noise and stuff in the background and i've listened to quite a few of his stories like during a work day that way yeah i've i've listened to that channel before too they they put out some good stuff is his stuff like public domain at this point it's got to be getting close right i think a lot of it is yeah it is it, it's public domain cuz there's like this whole thing where like he died and then the rights went to his aunt because he didn't have any kids and then when his aunt died the rights just kind of like disappeared pretty much and he's been public domain ever since then that worked out because i guess that explains why we see so much stuff that's like directly influenced by it mm-hmm. you know like i feel like something new's popping up all the time i saw that you were tweeting that you wanted lovecraft country to have more lovecraft elements in it and i thought that was funny because when i was reading the book that's exactly how i felt yeah it's like I, i'm i've watched both the episodes that are out and i'm like waiting for it and i i don't think it's gonna come i think it's uh more of just like a name, which is a little disappointing to me. I like the show so far. It's just, I wish it was a little heavier. Yeah, I started the first episode. I have HBO Max, but um, what we'll talk about in a minute, the Batman trailer got me on this like huge DC like animated movie kick. So I've just been binging those, but I'm just going to wait until Lovecraft Country is like halfway done so I can get a few episodes in because there's a lot of shows. I start the first episode and I'm like, that was all right. Like I'll watch that and then I never come back. So I don't want that to happen with this one. Yeah, I, I do that all the time. We got some Texas Chainsaw Massacre news yesterday. And I think I left it in a couple weeks ago when we were talking about that franchise. So the Toehill Brothers, I was kind of bitching that they were a weird choice for a Texas Chainsaw movie because they're like Irish filmmakers. And that's like, that's the road they've been going down with the last few movies, like hiring foreign filmmakers who just like come in and make something that has the Texas Chainsaw Massacre name, but completely misrepresents what that franchise is and as it turns out they were a week into filming in bulgaria and they got fired from the project for not really understanding (laughs) the the source material so they promoted a guy named david blue garcia who hasn't really done a whole lot he's a director of photography mostly and he's shot a lot of commercials he's he's the new director interesting choice yeah you know not great but the plus is he's from austin texas so they kind of like it's like the monkey paw curling in for me really because it's like yes we finally get a texan director but then the monkey paw curling in is that he's never really directed anything of note and they're shooting it in bulgaria still which is a odd choice i mean based on all of this news it sounds like it's not going great but <laughs> i mean i guess i'll watch whatever comes out but it doesn't sound like it's going to be very good. I feel like every time there's a new development in this series, like it's almost the right move. It's like you get Fetty Alvarez on board, but he's just producing. Then it's like you get this guy from Texas directing now, but he's like inexperienced and they're shooting it in Bulgaria. Like, I don't understand why this series is so cursed. It's bizarre to me. I mean, we kind of like, we talked about it a lot. I've seen most of them. I don't know if I've seen like, Four maybe I've missed and then I did not see the Leatherface movie because I heard it was just really bad so I skipped that <laughs> it was <laughs> and I've seen 3D 
Oh, 3D is so bad. That's the one we talked about. Yeah, 3D is uh, terrible. A couple weeks ago. It doesn't make any sense. Dude, George, one thing we didn't mention, I wanted to get your opinion on this. Alexander Daddario is playing a 40-year-old character. In <laughs> yeah, that movie. so I definitely saw that criticism of, like, the timing doesn't make any sense like there's some time paradox there because she was around <laughs> during the first movie but then it's like modern times in the yeah. 3d i think that's just like poor attention to detail not like a <laughs> character flaw i wouldn't expect anything less from the writer of jason goes to hell but they actually cgi'd out dates on tombstone that in the graveyard outside the big house they had like all the death dates of the sawyer people because they wanted it to be vague of when it was taking place. So they just CGI'd out all the de- like death dates. So that you couldn't do the math on uh, <laughs> when she was born easily. So I thought that was pretty funny. I mean, it's something, I guess. Not the like, most foolproof method. but <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I kind of wish they just like went all in with just being vague. And went like straight up like Twin Peaks. Nobody knows what's going on. That would have been a better movie. Yeah, that'd be great. Something weird. Like we need some weirdness. Or they should have had the dates like, just be, like, insane, like, 100 <laughs> years apart for each person yeah. or something. Or or the dates are, like, 2045 or something, and it's yeah. <laughs> the whole movie's actually in the future. Texas Chainsaw 3D and Leatherface each have an extremely funny shot in them. So the Texas Chainsaw 3D has Leatherface running into the woods with his hands up like a little kid. And then Leatherface has an out-of-focus background shot of a guy in a wheelchair being pushed out the third story of a <laughs> mental asylum. And that gets me every time I go on YouTube sometimes and check that out. The tone in those movies is just completely wrong. I also think it's like pretty funny that Resident Evil 7 is essentially a Texas Chainsaw movie that's better than most of the franchise. They should look to stuff like that and just go back to having this weirdo family with Leatherface kind of bouncing around. Because 4 approaches... I know you said you didn't see it. 4 is the one that really got what the first one was going for. But then it completely just takes a nosedive into, like, nonsense in the last uh, act. (laughs) Yeah, it's, like, pure insanity. (laughs) It's kind of a combination between one and two. Uh, I don't want to spoil anything in it for you because it's, like, one of the most insane movies ever. But you need to check it out just for Matthew McConaughey alone. Yeah, I'll I'll have to watch it. The funny thing is I, I find, like, with Texas Chainsaw, it's so weird that they have so much trouble, like, adding new entries or whatever because it's probably the most, like stripped down of all of like the classic slasher movies it seems like it should be so easy to make a good texas chainsaw movie it's such a simple premise from the start yeah exactly that's like that's kind of what we were getting at with it and even the remake was pretty good and then they did the prequel to it and it was okay so it's like when they when they do stuff that's similar to the first movie it always ends up being all right like four is very similar to the first movie two is very similar but it goes a little gonzo with it with uh, Bill Mosley. But the best part about 3D is when they show footage from the first movie and then they CGI Bill Mosley's face onto another character. <laughs> <laughs> but they like didn't blur the edges at all so you can see that it was just like a Photoshop job. It looks terrible. Uh, so that's what we got on Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And then the next thing, I think you're both going to have have some things to say on this one. Blumhouse is rebooting The Thing. But John Carpenter is involved. He was doing a uh, masterclass at Fantasia last weekend. And he talked about just how uh, Jason Blum is rebooting the thing, like, super nonchalantly. And he said he's he's maybe involved with it down the road. So not, not a super promising announcement on a thing reboot. 
what do you guys think of this news? That's literally all the news is. Like that he just announced that it was happening. I mean, I think uh I think if anyone can maybe do it the right way, I would like to see a Blumhouse version. I felt like the the 2011 one that they did was really like bogged down by the changes that the studios made to it and it could have been a good movie, yeah. but they it got so screwed over by like the CGI and the taking out the practical effects that like were going to be this huge centerpiece of the movie that eventually were just like completely cut out. So I think it's possible for it to be good, but I'm, I'm skeptical. I think I'd probably watch the thing like annually at least. And I think it still holds up and is totally watchable and there's like nothing wrong with it. So I don't know if it really needs like a reboot um i mean the only thing that i could really see it because like so halloween 2018 is is a good like half step and john carpenter was involved with that so i would hope that he was like involved in the same way or like they get a similar type of team that is like very dedicated to it and it just doesn't become like what the 2011 one was where there's you know all these constantly like hodgepodging it taking things out putting things in like they need a very concrete idea of what they're doing and a good team to like actually recreate the movie in a good way yeah so universal and blumhouse are kind of like two for two on remaking classic movies i know halloween's not a remake but like everyone calls it a fucking remake so i'm just gonna call it that for now uh so they got halloween came out great in my opinion and then they have the invisible man which also came out really good and then they've got lee Winnell working on um escape from new york which everything i've heard about that sounds like they're going in the right direction even though that's a much bigger scale movie than we've been seeing from them this one i feel like is perfect for what blumhouse usually does like single location stuff with a low to mid budget full of practical effects very character driven and giving the writer a lot of freedom i think it really is just going to depend on who they give it to because like Lee Winnell could definitely do something good with it, but I don't want like in the much in the same way. I don't want Blumhouse monopolizing the remake world of horror. I also don't want Lee Winnell monopolizing like all of the horror remakes that are going on. So if he stays on the, on the more on the side of like the Wolfman and you know, I guess Escape yeah, like from the, New York, like that's fine. More like universal monster movie side of it. That kind of thing. I, I just, like, I don't know why we keep rebooting The Thing, because The Thing is never profitable, no matter what it is. Like, the game that John Carpenter helped make sold like shit. The first movie did okay back in the 50s, and people really liked it, but, like, the the remake did horrible, and it got terrible reviews, and then as time went on, people kind of, like, readopted it as a classic. And then you've got the 2011 movie, like, something went catastrophically wrong, where they were like, no, all of these awesome practical effects we commissioned, uh, we're going to cover those up. So... Like, I, it, it kind of seems like they really need to get it perfect or just not do it at all. But I guess, like, if anyone's going to do it right, it's Blumhouse. Like, I don't, I'm not one of those people who's, like, so protective of something I like where if a remake happens, I'm automatically, like, against it. I'm just, like, skeptical because of the history of the franchise, if that makes sense. I, I think my whole thing is I don't want it to be, like, like, I want it to be almost like a completely original concept like a basically a reimagining of the story of the thing like i don't want to see scenes from the original movie remade at all i would just prefer if it was like similar setting or something but not i don't want to see the story that was already told 
I wouldn't want to know what happens after the first movie. Yeah, I, I hope they don't do that. I see. I don't. It's it's really weird because they were going to do that with Halloween 2018, right? That movie was supposed to start with Hawkins being retconned into the first movie, arresting Michael after he falls out the window and disappears. It was just going to be like boom, they catch him right away, and then he kills Loomis in between there. And that was going to be that, right? Like, that was how that movie was going to start. And I guess John Carpenter convinced David Gordon Green that that was a dumb way to go. And then we've heard all these fucking rumors that in Halloween Kills, we're going to see young Hawkins during the flashback, which makes me think he was, like, going back and kind of retooling that. So I got to assume that's, like, a studio request, and you can't really say no to that. So I really hope, the like, I just hope that they're smart enough to disconnect this in some way. Like, I'd love it if... Like, this alien crash landed in a completely different place uh, other than Antarctica. Like, I don't want to see just a new version of the same movie. Yeah, that that or honestly, because we were talking about Lovecraft, like, I'd much rather see Blumhouse do, like, At the Mountains of Madness, which is a huge influence on the thing anyway. I know that, like, the thing is what they're trying to sell, but I'd rather see them, like, tackle something that maybe, like, influenced a classic movie or, like, was part of what made a classic movie great so i mean i'm kind of like you where like making a remake doesn't bother me because at the end of the day i always have the original movie to go back to it's never going to change that but i feel like i'd rather see something different in that like i'd rather see an adaptation of something that's never been adapted than like yet another attempt at the thing it's hard to come down on blumhouse for that because you know they for every remake or, you know, revival of a brand they do, they generally have an original IP to go along with it. Because, like, Blumhouse at this point is putting out, like, five or six movies a year, or they were before COVID. So that's why I'm, like, kind of not bringing down the hammer on them for being like, oh, another remake. But, yeah, I completely agree with what you're saying there. And I, I don't really know who else I would trust to do a Thing movie. I mean, like, A24 is not going to take on a brand like that. And I think it would be cool if they did. Blumhouse has kind of established themselves as like the studio that is for horror fans and clearly will listen to horror fans. So I wouldn't want really any other group like touching a property like that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like if New Line did it, it would be like the Marvel movie of the thing, which I definitely don't (laughs) want. So (laughs) That's, that's like the only other studio in my head who's really doing big stuff right now in the horror world so that's what we got on the thing the last thing i have on this news list something that we don't usually talk about is superhero movies but the batman trailer dropped over the weekend and it's just like so good i feel like we have to talk about it i say this like you liked it right i'm not putting my foot in my mouth saying it's so good (laughs) yeah i I absolutely loved it i've watched it like so many times (laughs) i realized i haven't even asked if you liked it i'm saying like it's so good i know you liked it george because you told me the thing that really surprised me about it is that they only have 25% of the movie done. Did you guys know that going into this? No, I would have assumed it was done. (laughs) That's what all of this footage was from. And I think it's great that they had, you know, like they had some stuff with the Riddler, they had some stuff with Batman and some stuff with Bruce Wayne. Like they were smart about what they already shot. And then they got everyone talking with a, like one single frame of uh, Colin Farrell as the Penguin, which I thought was insane because he doesn't even, like the prosthetics on him are nuts. So George, you're like the big Batman fan I think of the group. What did you think of the trailer? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm all in. I think that like I've I really think that Robert Pattinson is a good actor, and I know a lot of people were kind of like poo pooing the idea from the start that he would be one, but I think both of us were 
totally on board after seeing him in like good times and the lighthouse it just you know it seemed like he could nail the role and it looks like he is going to nail the role like what i was really happy with was basically like how dark and violent it looks like it's it looks like it's basically going for that like i don't know if it will be an r but like the joker feeling of like a hard r batman movie which i'm totally into i hope it is rated r and I think it will be because that was always the plan. Like even when Ben Affleck was writing it back in the day, it was supposed to be an R rated movie. And then when Matt Reeves took over, he said he really wanted it to be R and it looks like the suicide squad is going to be rated R too. So I feel like they're not adverse to that, especially coming off Joker, which is the most profitable superhero movie of all time, just because of how cheap it was to me. I think that DC should just do the like very gritty, dark R rated mature superhero stories because that that just you know they've tried the like marvel formula and it doesn't work and i think that this obviously works a lot better like it to me this is just like definitely the direction to go yeah i 100 percent agree with that like the marvel thing marvel is doing that already and they're crushing it so like leave that to them and go in a totally different direction that you you know you can dominate in right like marvel is always going to be squeaky clean made for everyone and that's what they're good at, which is why they yeah. keep doing it. Like, let Marvel be the ones that are trying to sell lunchboxes with Captain America on it. And let DC be the one that are, you know, making Joker and Suicide Squad, those kind of movies. Yeah, and Suicide Squad is looking really good. There's a lot of Suicide Squad media coming out right now for some reason. We got that. We've got the game. And then I watched a movie that was, I guess, pretty recent last night on... Uh, HBO Max that was like an animated Suicide Squad movie where Christian Slater played Deadshot and it was so good. So I'm glad that's working out. But yeah, like the thing, I'm like a lapsed Batman fan. I used to like love Batman when I was a kid. And then right when George and I started hanging out right around then, I still really liked it. But then after the Dark Knight Rises came out, I just kind of like got bored with it because it felt like the same stuff was happening like over and over. And then, you know, Batman versus Superman kind of pulled me in a little bit, but this is like what I've been wanting, like a early in his career Batman who's wearing a suit that looks like he made it. I feel like that's a big thing that's really drawing me in. But then they went the extra step further with it, and it looks like he made his Batmobile too, which is like a classic car. I love that, and I, I just love the fight choreography and all that. I think that they're really onto something. And something that um, my friend Paul, who runs a channel called Heavy Spoilers, pointed out. The font that they used for this title treatment is the exact same font that they used for Joker. And a lot of people are like kind of guessing that we might see some like fallout from Joker. Like if it's not Joaquin Phoenix's Joker, it might be like someone he inspired coming in. And that kind of makes me worried. Well, I mean, we, we see at the end of the trailer, there's like the Joker gang where... Yeah, so do you, that's what I was going to ask you, George. So those you think those guys are like an evolution of Joker people so my, from my, Joker? I don't know. I don't know any of the terminology, so I'm I'm flying by like seeing my pants here. So my take on it is they're basically going to do the like Batman Beyond thing, where uh, in Batman Beyond there's like a street gang that are like the Jokers that are just like basically street toughs that model themselves after the joker because like the joker died you know or was like been in prison since like before they were born but they kind of like idolize him and so like this will probably be a similar thing where it'll be like a street gang based on like the ideas of like 
you know, the Arthur Fleck Joker of the previous movie, if that's the direction that they're going in. I would rather have this be totally separate from Joker. I I had heard that, like, they're kind of testing the waters with, like, doing this, like, Elseworlds thing, where which is just, like, a bunch of standalone movies that would be basically, like, their own thing that are not connected. And I, I kind of feel like Joker didn't really feel like the kind of movie that needs to be connected to something else or should be connected to something else. So I'm kind of hoping this is like its own thing. I, I would love for the, it to be influenced by Batman Beyond. Batman Beyond's awesome. So that would be cool. So I just watched the Return of the Joker, that Batman Beyond movie. And that was so good. Yeah, I, I know, George, movie. you and I watched it. Like you reminded me that it existed. And then I saw it on DC Universe and I was like, oh, shit. I got to watch this because it's like I remembered loving it and it totally holds up, holds up. And I love that idea that you just brought up, though, like if they do include any type of Joker instead of having him be in the movie, I would just love for it to be a gang inspired by him. And that's like as far as they would be able to take it. But other than that, I think the best way to go would just be to ignore him because he's just in everything. But uh, I love that trailer. I'm excited for the movie. I can't believe we have to wait a whole year for it. Yeah, I know. That's the killer. Because, like, I saw that was immediately, like, give me that movie. I'll pay whatever you want <laughs> to go see that right now. So, like, what the fuck's going on with Halloween, right? Because they they were, like, saying, like, oh, we want to hold off on the marketing. Like, all this shit. Uh, but Batman comes out the same month and they're already showing trailers for that. It's like, just give me something from Halloween, please. <laughs> I, I just want to see. Because they've had so much stuff leak. Like, the script is out there, you know? I feel like they kind of got to get ahead of it a little bit at this point and just show us something. I'm, like, crossing my fingers for Halloween, but Universal just seems to, like, have their heels firmly dug into the ground on showing anything. It's so annoying. They have all that footage in a Vice script right now. Yeah, Blake, you just got to make your own, like, Halloween kills merch. (laughs) And (laughs) I'll force their hand by by making my own merch. (laughs) Have you ever, like, had any of these distributors come after you for drawing stuff or do they just consider it transformative the only the only time i ever had an issue was bella lugosi's estate sent me a cease and desist that was the only one (laughs) and i'm sure you just like immediately like we're like okay yeah i don't want to get sued (laughs) (laughs) i mean the funny thing is a lot of the times with like cease and desist for the most part if it were to go to like court it, it my it's artwork it's transformative so they really probably wouldn't win but those kind of things are just to like scare you pretty much i know that's kind of how fright rags got started he was doing the same kind of thing you were i think a little more agree a lot more egregious actually because he was like using screenshots from the movies and not drawing his own art and i guess someone came after him about friday the 13th specifically and they were like you can't do what you're doing Unless you buy this license, which we will happily sell you. And then everything was fine after mm-hmm. that. But Yeah, I mean, that that's all it takes to make, like, officially licensed stuff. You just have to pay for the license. That's it. But I don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to wrap it up for our new section here. We're going to move right into Spree. And before we get into our thoughts on Spree, our friend Grayson, a friend of the show, Grayson, uh, Yance, he reviewed it. He said it's a really cool idea of a horror flick. Joe Keery makes a convincing psychopath that will do anything for views. <laughs> also, the dark humor had him rolling in. He gave it 3.5 stars. And if you want us to read one of your letterbox reviews or anything like that, 
just paste it in a review of the show that has five stars and we'll end up reading it here. It's like a win-win for both of us. So the reason I picked Spree is because I hadn't even heard of this movie. Honestly, I like saw it come up on my Twitter a few times but never looked too deep into it. And then Blake, I saw you watched on Letterboxd and liked it. So I was like, oh, this would be perfect for the show. So do you want to like start out here and tell us what you liked about Spree? Yeah, sure. I mean, I guess you could call it like found footage maybe. I don't, I don't really know if I'd classify it as that, but uh it's sort of like shot from the point of view of like the main character and uh i i kind of came across it the same way as you i saw someone post about it and i was just like oh a new movie and it's got joe curie in it i'll check it out and i ended up liking it a lot i think i gave it three and a half stars also i gave it three um george you gave it three and a half though so i might be i might be convinced after the end of this (laughs) review so yeah like you said it's it's kind of like George, you brought this up. I'll let you talk about it, but it's kind of like a movie that's based on a real killing, like a real murder. And I didn't even think about that. Yeah. So it's weird because and I'm not sure, like, I guess it is, has to be a national news story, but there was a Uber driver that killed, like, I think six students in Kalamazoo, Michigan, like several years ago. And joe curie's character specifically is like the old record was six and i'm gonna beat it and i'm gonna become viral in this by killing people while filming himself basically driving uber and so that that was like kind of a strange thing to me especially since that's kind of like a hometown true crime event that would spawn this um i was like that's crazy that he directly references that the previous record is six because that's like that's how many people the guy killed, right? I, I'm pretty like I, I would have to double check and see if that's how many that it was. But I mean, to me, that's the first thing I thought of was the Uber driver killer that killed people in Kalamazoo. Yeah. So when that that real life murder was going on, uh, my brother was MIA and my mom texted me and was like, "Oh fuck!" She sent me a link, not because she wanted to know where my brother was for safety reasons. She was like nervous he went off the handle. It was <laughs> the Uber driver. <laughs> <laughs> which is like something i'll never forget i was like oh okay thanks mom so i think the best aspect of this movie is how absolutely hard it nails the idea of someone who's desperate to make it on the internet because the guy's name's kurt he's got a youtube channel that he's been working on pretty much his entire life called kurt's world and he goes by kurt's world 96 and right out of the gate they have joe Keery just perfectly he nails the idea of someone who has a catchphrase like hey i'm kurt welcome to kurt's world or hey what's up guys it's kurt from kurt's world but like i do this on my youtube channel i i forget what my intro used to be and i kind of got rid of it but you just kind of get in a rhythm with it where it doesn't sound like you're saying it it kind of sounds like you're repeating a line like my boss austin like hey guys this is austin he's done that since he started his channel and he recently stopped but that was what made it creepy because it immediately just like sold me on the world of this movie and right from the beginning there's something off about him you know like he really sells the whole idea that he he's not all there yeah totally i mean to me i think joe curie is the best part of the movie i mean i've really only seen him i mean outside of stranger things he had like that really really small part in slice so uh like he hasn't really been able i mean he definitely was like a very major character in stranger things but this is like the first time he's able to like you know spread his wings on his own and i think he's a very capable actor like like you were saying i totally believed you know he's this deranged like failed vlogger that would do anything for views you know murdering people 
and like hashtag the lesson. Like he has all these like insane ideas that make perfect sense in his <laughs> like insane mind. But to the rest of us, we're watching just like, oh shit, what's going to happen next on this wild ride? And there's plenty of channels out there on YouTube specifically. I'm just citing YouTube here because that's like the world I work in and that's what I know. There's t- so many channels where people, they start their channel as their name. So I'm Jimmy. I start my channel, Jimmy's channel. And then I have no focus. Like one day I just wake up every day and decide I'm going to make something hoping with the hope of going viral, not necessarily like building an audience or anything like that. And that's like the type of person this is. And there's like thousands of channels out there like that where they never find a focus. They just keep making any random old video like jaywalking or, you know, getting fast food and reviewing it or chasing trends and stuff like that. And that was so bizarre to see a movie nail it like that. But the one thing that really held it back for me, I will say, especially after seeing Host, which got, you know, Zoom, they were able to use Zoom. This movie comes up with a different name for all of the different apps in it. So you got Spree, which is Uber. They have some like weird version of Instagram Live that's totally not Instagram Live. But then at the end of the movie, they show a bunch of news articles about Kurt that uh, are from like Vice and they have Variety. So they have all of these real brands. And they have reddit and 4chan and yeah real websites so it was kind of weird that i like i don't know what the if there was like a legality thing there or if right they thought that you know i guess they didn't want to like bring up the uber killer thing again maybe um i don't know like maybe that was just like really bad in the eyes of the brand and they didn't want to be associated with that um so they had to change it yeah i don't really have a problem with it i just I think like if you're gonna if you can't use real brands for like apps in your movie, you should not make the choice to use brands for anything else in it. You know, like commit one way or the other. Like it'd be just as weird if they had the apps and then it was like blog.com or like variety or something. Like I don't know. <laughs> right. Five chan. <laughs> right. At the end. Is that like little technical shit like that bothered me but overall i think the movie looked really good especially for something that looks like it was actually shot on six gopros they had really good exposure even at night and if that wasn't how it was shot they did a great job of fooling me and it was totally bizarre to see all of these areas that around where i live in this movie like obviously in la there's a lot of movies being shot all the time but this one is like very street level and he basically was just roaming around where around where I work uh, when I go into the office and then kind of near my house. And I was like, oh, it's like kind of just a little too meta for me. <laughs> I personally felt like this was the first time I saw a movie that involved the like the Internet and like Internet culture so heavily in it. That was not completely corny and like clearly written by people who don't spend a lot of time on the Internet. I thought that was really effective. I love that. I wrote that down like multiple times in my notes here. I usually go back and I cut that cut out stuff, but I wrote down so many lines that I loved and the kills themselves. So the kills, they start out like a little bit weak because they're all, they're off screen and they're like water poisoned kills, which I didn't like that didn't do much for me, but it kind of escalates throughout the entire thing to more and more crazy stuff to the point where he's driving through the like homeless tent village presumably murdering a lot of people there's like a douchebag named mario that he lets out and then just backs into with this like crazy techno gummy bear song playing but there's a choice like towards the third act that kind of bugged me where this comedian that somehow becomes the focus of the movie 
Uh, she becomes the main character. Did you like that she kind of was the hero towards the end? Um, I mean, I didn't like it. Like you said, she wasn't really like likable or that interesting, I don't think. So, I mean, I kind of saw it coming that that's who like, obviously he wasn't going to get away with it. I don't think that that would have been very realistic. So <laughs> I kind of wish she yeah. did. I kind of wish she just drove off a cliff or something. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I didn't love it, but I won't really hold that against the movie. Yeah. David Arquette, uh, it's a weird, he hits a weird role for him. I thought he did really well. I just thought it was like kind of weird to see him in the movie. Like I thought he played the, you know, shitty down on his luck DJ like deadbeat dad character well uh it was just weird like it, he just seemed like a too high profile to be in the movie to me like it kind of took me out for a second because i was like oh that's like an actual actor that's weird yeah i felt that way a lot watching this there were a lot of people that i was like why do i know that person and then i had to look it up i didn't know anyone i didn't know anyone in this movie so yeah so you said kyle mooney from snl were there other ones that you knew like kyle mooney is like the desperate comedian that hangs out with um the like kind of oh, heroine of the movie okay. he did a lot of tim and eric sketches for a long time before he was on uh snl but that was the only like the big name obviously other than like david arquette um but i didn't i didn't know if i really recognized too many more people other than that for me the the kid i can't remember what his name is that's like yeah he was he was big on vine i remember him from vine and i was like why do <laughs> oh i know God. this kid's face and i had to look it up <laughs> I was like, oh, God, it's been fine. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this movie would play super well in the theater, especially with younger yeah. people, like, seeing, like, Viners like that. George and I really liked Vine when it was around, but yeah. I wasn't following specific creators like yeah. that. But it was, oh, man, it was so crazy seeing that character specifically, like, the super douchey little kid who's live streaming everything, and he's, like, a huge fuck, <laughs> even though he's a kid. And he's obviously spoiled and had, had everything handed to him. When I go to CES for work, uh, which is the Consumer Electronics Show in Vegas, we go every year in January, kids like that are crawling around the show floor, like, riding their hoverboards and, like, live streaming and everything and, like, just being huge douchebags. So, like, you were just saying, like, like... It was so authentic. Like, everything about the way characters acted that had their online profiles was, like, super authentic. Yeah, it's, like, props to the to the writers because they really nailed, like, modern internet culture without it feeling, like, corny or, like, dated. It, it felt very current and, like, authentic. Yeah, to me, the, like, Twitch chat, basically, that's going on in the movie was, like, oh, yeah. so accurate to a Twitch chat, like... They even made him his own uh, Pepe and stuff. Like, everything about that was, like, like I could, you know, the ones that are rolling in, there's just, like, you know, all the most toxic things you could possibly think of with all these keyboard warriors typing it in. Like, that's so much, like, what t today's internet culture is. Yeah, and I thought it was really cool that the way you kind of get your bearings on um, Kurt's mental state, it's the scene where he's filling up his gas tank and... At that point, you've realized, like, oh, he's just deciding he's going to murder people and just be totally happy about it, right? But you don't really know if he's all there. But when the cop rolls up, he's kind of, like, hiding his phone, and he almost says he's killing people. But then he sees the cop and doesn't. And you're like, oh, shit. Like, this guy is obviously crazy, but he's not, like, living on a different planet. You know, like, he's just so taken over by the internet. And the idea being famous that he's accepted the fact that if he kills people, he'll go viral. And achieve his goal. I thought that was really good writing. 
I, I agree with that completely. Like, that character was so interesting to watch. And I think, like you were saying, you know, that scene is, like, kind of early in the movie when the tension's, like, just kind of ramping up before he really, you know, he's killed a few people, but it's not, like, the insane kills that we see later in the movie to the point where, you know, later on he's actively running away from the cops and driving into oncoming traffic and, like, getting egged on by the, you know, by the chat and everything. It's just... Like, I think it has a good, it's paced well in terms of, like, it's constantly building and building and building as the movie goes on. Yeah, and another meta joke that really got me good is um, Bobby, they do a cut gag, cutaway gag to one of his videos where he, quote-unquote, gives a, or he makes it look like he gives a homeless guy a hundred bucks and then films him to see what he's going to do. Yeah. It's like totally a Joey salads video. Like, <laughs> And I'm like, Oh, that's really smart that they thought of that because it's so real. Oh wait, that's a real thing. Someone did. Yeah. Like they, they don't even have to, they don't have to come up with jokes for this stuff. Like that's, that's like arguably not as bad as what the real guy was doing, where he would take the money away from homeless guys. <laughs> or like He would pay the homeless guys like eat shit or something like that. Like it was insane. And I was like, yeah, so that's like the stuff that there's like a clear line between people who are making videos on YouTube because they just want to talk about a horror movie and then people who are making videos because they want to go viral. And like you could definitely see the evolution of someone like Jake Paul who just got his house raided and had like five million guns taken out of there and like drugs and he was like trafficking humans. It's like, oh, yeah, like this is this is like a thing that could happen, which I think is what makes it so scary. And now I've like kind of talked myself into like genuinely loving this movie. You did say that was going to happen. Uh, Yeah. It's, you know, sometimes it's like that where I I, like work, I like work all day. Right. And then I get off. And since I'm in, like I'm working in my office where I also shoot videos, it's hard to get out of that work frustration mode where I'm just kind of like a little bit like agitated, but because i'm in the same room the whole time but then i like talk about the movie on the podcast with george and i'm like oh you know you know what i really i ended up yeah that happens to me all the time Uh, i'll rewatch movies and give them like completely different ratings than the first time it it totally changes that's why i stopped going to press screenings really because i used to like try really really hard to get into those and then I like wasn't even reviewing the movies and it would get in this weird vibe where I would talk about them before George even saw them. And I was like, this, this is stupid, but I came out of it chapter two. And like, I think that movie's good, not great. And it has the potential to be great. But when I came out of it, I was just like pissed at all the jokes and all that other stuff. And I was like almost more mad that all the critics coming out of it were like, yeah, it wasn't scary this time. That's what I like about it. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking <laughs> about? Like, it's a fucking R-rated horror movie. And I was like so mad. So I gave it like a two, two and a half star or something. And then I came back after seeing it with George and I just connected with it a lot more. And I was like, oh man, I rated that way too low. And I do that. I just did that with Trick, ironically. I gave it a two and a half star and then defended it so much. I was like, wait, I love this movie. Yeah. And I bumped it up. <laughs> yeah, completely. <laughs> But the best the best part about Spree that no one's really caught on to yet that I accidentally found, they created a TikTok for Kurt. Yes, yes, Kurt's World had a TikTok because we were actually talking about that like yes, a couple weeks ago. Yes, and we thought ago, it was real. Where we thought it was like a guy who looked like Joe Keery. Yeah, you were just like, going around. You, you asked me, you were like, uh, I found a guy on TikTok that looks just like Joe Keery. And then I was like, yeah, I had also seen that because it, it was a Kurt's World video, but he was walking around Kohl's. And he was, like, looking at Stranger Things merch and stuff. So it was weird, like, meta. Is it Joe Curie? Is it not Joe Curie? But uh, I think I 
I went onto the profile and it had a link to like the Spree rental page on uh, iTunes's website. Oh. So I was like, oh, like it is Joe Curie, but it, it was a cool thing, and especially like I, I guess it did track well enough on TikTok since we both saw it independently. I didn't see it, but that's such a like smart idea for a movie like this. I, I think that's really like. I would love to see more of that. Yeah, there's no way they'd ever be able to do this, but I think it'd be really cool if, like, before it came out or before it was even announced, they just, like, streamed it on Twitch. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, you know how insane that would be? Do you know how many people would call the FBI? <laughs> yeah. Like, I would want to see the fallout from that. So, uh, Blake, you got any closing thoughts here on Spree? Um, I mean, like I said before, I just thought it was felt really authentic. I, I enjoyed it for that. It didn't come off as corny, even though it's a movie that's very much about internet culture so i loved it i thought it was great oh hell yeah all right sweet george what do you think of it any closing thoughts here yeah i mean i i thought it was paced really well joe curie kills it as the main character um and you know just another really strong vod release this year all right sweet so blake where can we find you on the internet well the main the main thing is my loudmouth threads instagram which is just at loudmouth threads uh i'm also on twitter doing the insane letterbox thing which is just at insane letterbox. Uh, like I said, that's gotten completely out of control, <laughs> dude. That's oh, I forgot to bring that up. Sorry, I'm like totally stepping on your shoes here. But like, that's so fucking cool that you can create an account right that went viral, just like how it is, and that you already have a merch. Company. Yeah, I I did zero. I, I did nothing to like promote that Twitter page. So that is totally <laughs> like a hundred percent organic, and I don't know how. <laughs> <laughs> no because you dm'd it to me when you made it and you're like check this out i was like okay and it had like two yeah. followers and then i came back like three hours later and it had like ten thousand or something it was it was crazy how fast that grew yeah i have much more than the actual letterbox twitter now which is insane <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> how did that feel weird i think i honestly think that the official letterbox probably hates me because i have could get a lot more attention than them <laughs> i would say so that's pretty safe but so you're like kurt her from Kurt's right? yeah <laughs> you're gonna be like this is blake from insane letterbox <laughs> so that's awesome and then uh you also have a podcast right called silver screen fiends yep yeah it's me and two of my friends just talking about movies cool so you can find all of those different things and you definitely should because um i don't interact with a lot of people on the internet but blake is always putting content out there that i'm like stoked to respond to like genuinely so Thank you so much for coming on the show, too. I've been trying to make this happen for a while. I'm really excited. And you're totally welcome to come on whenever you want. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'd be happy to. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) 